Hello, and welcome to Just Another Real Estate Podcast, where we'll speak with Arizona's most successful real estate professionals to better understand their business, current market conditions, team and business building strategies, successes, and challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Dwell Inspect Arizona with your host, Sean Garvey. So today on Just Another Real Estate Podcast, I have my guest uh, who is with me today, Joe or Joseph, whichever you prefer, Laney. <laughs> Joe, uh, thank you for being here. Um, we appreciate you taking the opportunity to come in um, and share your experience uh, both in life and in, in real estate. So thank you for coming in today. Happy to be here. Good to uh, sit down and chat with you, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joe, you are um, you're growing your real estate business. Um, you've, you've managed to continue to, to grow it through um, our shifting markets. Um, but, you know, a certain question I, I always ask people is, is how'd you get into the real estate business? So that's kind of a long story. I'll try and yeah. summarize it. But uh, we only have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in the energy industry, actually, for about 20 years, um, had a great job with a big corporation. I worked at an oil refinery, actually. Um, started in production with oil wells, then went to pipeline, then went to refining. Um, but very, very physical job, work shift work, work long hours. And long story short, just had a, a ended up getting a permanent back injury and couldn't no longer do that job. And uh, ended up getting a lawyer because it was a big corporation. And uh, they didn't really like that too much. Um, so even when I got different restrictions and things like that, and there were jobs within that uh, plant, if you will, that I could have done, it was like, nope, we don't have a job for you with those restrictions. So uh, for about a year, um, just lawyer stuff, doctor's appointments, workers comp, all this stuff, trying to figure out okay, what the heck do I do here? Um, and actually back to the whole, we don't have a job for you. It, it, it took about a year for that to happen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get treatments, trying to get better, um, just get back to work or whatever other job they could, um, they could do for me, but, uh, didn't happen. So then it was just like, okay, what do I do? Tried a couple of, Apply for a couple of local jobs within that industry, didn't really work out. And then at the end of the day, um, I basically talked to my mom who was out here in Arizona. She was in title and escrow uh-huh. uh, for 42 years, I believe. She just retired, moved down to Rocky Point. Um, oh, awesome. And have an aunt and uncle out here in Scottsdale that are hard money lenders. So I came out here for a weekend, stayed at my aunt and uncle's house. Um, he took me around to some of these luxury spec homes in North Scottsdale that they were funding. And between them and my mom, it was kind of like, hey, come out here. We'll help you. Um, it's a good, good time. It's growing out here, all that stuff. And I could see it. I could feel it. I mean it was kind of a no brainer. So I literally just packed up my stuff and moved out here and got my real estate license and, wow. you know, went for it. <laughs> so what, that's a, that's a big leap of faith. Um, what, what time period was that when you could see that, that it was kind of growing and, and things were turning? That was 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you hit the, so, you timed that right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started out at Keller Williams and I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Um, they were keeping you in the office doing all these trainings. And I just was like, when am I going to get out there in the field and like do some stuff? So, um, had a colleague leave to North and co I ended Uh up going over there. Um, I actually walked in the office, talked to Brian, like, Hey, what's up with this company? And I guess I was only like the second person to ever do that. Most people just, you know, called down there or whatever. <laughs> um, so he, he, he liked my drive that I just kind of showed up like, Hey, what's up with your company? I want to yeah. know what, what the deal is here. Um, but really cool dude, kind of surfer skater guy. We got, we related there. Um, that's kind of 
who I am how, when I grew up in Southern California was into skateboarding and surfing and all these things, sure. uh, snowboarding. So went over there and he was like, dude, just work a bunch of open houses, meet people, have conversations. And I, I did that hard, like four, four open houses a week for a long time. Um, got some of my best clients that way. Actually. Um, I have a few like investor clients that continue to buy properties from me that I've, that I picked up at open houses and, um, was a great start. Um, but I noticed too, it was one of those things that, although it works, um, some are dead, some are busy. It's like kind of hit or miss and you can't really like, um, quantify things doing that. Um, so I reduced that down as my business started growing and then I started getting referrals and all that. Um, joined a team for a little while just so I could learn more of the working online leads and stuff like that. Um, so I did that for a year and then kind of went back on my own. And what I kind of sat down and thought about was like, what's, what's a niche in this market that a lot of people aren't doing, but is, is big or is going to be big. And that was relocations. Mm. Um, so I got involved with those. And then um, that's been really good. That's been about a third of my business. And as you guys know, since I use you guys as my preferred inspector, um, I do a lot of new builds. That's why I get a lot of people that move out here that are like, look, um, I just want to move into something brand new. And when I'm starting fresh in a new place, I got a fresh new house, all that stuff. Um, So I've done quite a bit of those, learned a lot about the construction process and all that um, in that time frame. Um, yeah, I mean, trying to think what else I've gotten into, um, you know, custom builds from the dirt up. So I have a client, a couple clients right now that I helped find lots, explain to them, you know, the process of kind of the doing their due diligence on a lot, because depending on the area and what's going on, there's a lot of tricky stuff you have to maneuver to figure out if it's a good lot or not. you know, involving surveys, soil tests, uh, you know, checking flood flows and flood zones and all kinds of sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I, I've kind of, (laughs) some agents kind of do I'm area specialist or I'm, uh, you know, uh, short-term rental only, you know, person I've just kind of learned, in a, a various areas. So now when I have somebody that's like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this nine times out of 10, it's like, I can help you. I'm knowledgeable there. I can totally, you know, walk you through the whole process from A to Z, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, there's very few things now at this point that I can't. And, um, you know, the few that I can't, um, the cool thing is, is now I'm at a brokerage with a lot of super high producing agents and um, I can reach out to them, get it, get that information if I need to. Um, but for the most part, there's very few things I come across that I can't help somebody with. So that's been kind of cool. And even looking back from like moving here and and renting a little two bedroom apartment and, you know, kind of starting over with, you know, not that much to, you know, growing in this business. And then, you know, my wife and I, when we were dating, we bought a house and fully remodeled it and added square footage and did the backyard over time. And then uh, a year ago, we moved to Ahwatukee, bought a second house, converted that one to a vacation rental, and it's making a ton of money. And it's just cool looking back, because it's like, not only have I learned a lot and I've been able to help a lot of people, but it's, it's helped me grow and learn to see opportunities um, for myself and my family too, in order to, you know, not be stuck in sales the whole time. It's like, if you're going to do real estate, you know, it's cool to um, also take advantage of being in it and seeing opportunities to, you know, grow your personal wealth and, and legacy yeah. for your family too. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of, 
that's kind of the journey in a nutshell. Um, I don't know. I appreciate you taking through that. I mean, I think it's, it's fascinating listening to, you know, everybody's story, but specifically your story now where you started with four open houses a week, like I'll just take anything, you know, um, any opportunity, any lead, let's, let's do it to, you know, digging through the, um, digging through the real estate business as a whole and finding relocations as a niche. Um, it generated a, a wealth of, I, I took some notes, it generated a, a number of uh, questions that I had. Um, you know, yeah. like, for example, I, I, when you said you did four open houses a week, it kind of always, you know, you, Saturday, Sundays, that's kind of the given day, right? Like that's the traditional real estate open house day. And when I drive by an open house sign on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday or something like that, I always kind of wonder, um, what's going on? You know, like I, I know that people are probably fishing, but are people stopping in and, and seeing, is that a good, is that a, a zig while other people are zagging? Um, I kind of, so there's, there's a few points to that. So yeah, say it's a, say it's a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, you know, usually what I would do is I would set up my computer, do my lead follow-ups, write thank you cards for people at like the previous weekend that came by stuff like that. But here and there you get people because, you know, the one thing about Arizona, unlike other places, especially as the weather is cooler, we get snowbirds and tourists and all, all sorts of people coming through and some want to move here. We get, a, you know, I think right. our net positive migration is like a hundred thousand people a year. Um, the other thing you might get is a neighbor that comes through. I had one on like a random Wednesday that came through and was like, I need an area specialist. And this was in South Scottsdale where I used to live and really hammer open houses and knew the area and I got a listing out of it. So um, even the slower ones can, it don't, you know, it only takes takes one, one, right? So um, that's kind of the thing. So if, if you be set up to where basically you're working remotely from the open house, but you're ready in case anybody comes in, it's not a wasted effort because the other thing is you're getting impression branding. So like Brian North from North Echo, where I used to be, his big thing was, was the impression branding. He focused on the Arcadia area. So him and his team would, would do open houses all at the same time. And they would have open house signs with his name on it. And eventually people build that impression and they know you for that area. Um, so I didn't end up kind of going into that area specialist thing. Um, but I do still, because of all the open houses I did in that area and people I met and houses I've sold in that area, I still have a, a good, uh, amount of people that call me to do business. And, um, I have a lot of people in my home bot system, which is through a lender that sends home valuations that are getting those and, so I still have a little bit of a hold in that area, but sure. um, I'm not a area specialist by any means because I'm, I'm pretty much all over the Valley. Do you, do you think, um, and everybody's career path is different, but do you think that it's um, people tend to go wide and then work narrow in areas or, or vice versa? It almost to me sounds like you did the opposite you started um heavy in South Scottsdale. And then, you know, now you're finding yourself on, on other outskirts as your life and Phoenix develops. So, yeah, I mean, I obviously wanted to focus on higher price point areas. So Scottsdale, Arcadia, Biltmore, Camelback East areas, kind of that little corridor there. Um, But it was really the relocation stuff that kind of broaden my horizons and and it forced me to learn and get better when it comes to different areas so I had to dig in on you know because you can't legally say what's a good and a bad area but I had to learn that stuff so when I get that question it's like hey you know I can't legally say that because it's subjective but here's a website with the crime rates but in my opinion you know if that's a concern for you maybe look over in this area and compare on that website, you have to kind of be the, uh, the purveyor of information and not give too many opinions in that case. But I still wanted to be knowledgeable about, you know, 
what the good and good and bad pockets are so I can word it properly. And yeah, it's a fair housing thing. So it's like, if that's a concern for somebody, I still want to guide them and help them, but you have to be careful on how you do that. Um, So yeah, man, I mean, I, I, at this point have a pretty good grasp on all the Phoenix Metro areas because of all the people that I help where it's like, Hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And then it's like, okay. And then we dial in, I think this area and this area, and then we kind of work it down until it's like, okay, I only want to be in this area. And then we start, you know, looking at houses and stuff like that. So, um, even my assistant, I helped her and her family relocate from Michigan. Um, originally, um, the husband was out here first. He worked for UPS. And we were looking at uh, West Valley and then like Gilbert Chandler area. Sure. So one, one day we looked at 10 homes on, on the west side. <laughs> Next day we looked at 10 homes on the east side. And as we were on the, well, southeast valley. Um, yeah. Once we we're looking in Chandler and Gilbert, he's like, "Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to be over on the west side." And we yeah. ended up finding um a beautiful home in the uh, Seville area in South Gilbert Golf yeah. Course community. Super nice. They got a killer deal. So, um, yeah, man, it's just fun because um, I feel like when I'm working with relocation people specifically. And it's like, they're coming to this new place that they have no clue about all the areas. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to help paint that picture of the right areas to get you what you want. And then they get what they want and they're over the moon. And even, you know, months, years later, when I'm checking in, I I don't have anybody that that hasn't ended up loving where they live and, and are just, you know, still over the moon. And because a lot of people are coming from really cold places. Right. And, you know, you can't shovel snow and you can still drive around <laughs> in your air conditioned car versus being stuck inside in the snow and the ice and, you know, having dangerous roads and stuff like that. So for sure. And even the outdoor living aspect, you know, people uh-huh. love that here. And it, it's just like, wow, I can be outdoors way more than I used to, um, you know, back where we used to live. So, yeah, that's that's kind of you know, I guess the, the breakdown on how that, that evolved. And then, um, you know, you and I have talked about the current company I'm with Hague partners that has the 72 sold, you know, a lot of agents talk a lot of trash cause they don't know what we do. Um, uh-huh. Greg's Greg spends millions in marketing. So we get a lot of, um, we get a lot of listing leads and stuff like that. And, they're set up in quadrants. So now that I live in Ahwatukee, I have it set up for the Southeast Valley. So I'm all over that kind of pocket right now um, on top of my relos and, you know, uh, sphere of influence. So like close clients, friends, agents in other states that send me referrals and stuff like that. So um, it's it's been pretty good. Thank God I have my assistant because she, you know, you guys are doing an inspection wrap up right now and she's my eyes That's and ears cool. right now. So, um, if, if I didn't have her, I, I would be pulled in too many different directions and unable to do what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's partly why people focus on one area. Cause it's just like, you can take a, you can handle a, a greater deal load or whatnot. So if everything's like compartmentalized and close, um, for me, it just kind of evolved into this spread out thing and it's a pain in the butt sometimes I'll admit it, but I get to help a lot of people and, and, you know, probably even before I needed an assistant, I've got ADHD. So it's like, I've, I've figured out systems and different things to, you know, stay organized and handle stuff. But, you know, I realized, you know, I needed to leverage somebody for my weaknesses to help me as things were growing before I ended up dropping the ball and, not having a, not being able to keep providing a high level of service. So. I think that's great. I mean, that's a nice mix to have kind of a, an area that you focus on for listings and then you get to see the whole city as you, as you go introduce people to the city. Um, I think uh, I've, I've told it to a lot of people, if I wasn't from here, 
um, and I was coming into Arizona, there's so many different areas of, of the city that are, that are intriguing. I mean, you, you mentioned one Chandler Gilbert, like downtown yeah. Gilbert is, is super charming, very walkable, lots to do. Um, would I live there? Probably not at this point in my life because a lot of my family and, and friend base is built in the middle of the city and not to that Southeast part. But if I came from Michigan, New York, Seattle, whatever, um, you know, I, I definitely would have looked very hard at that area cause it's, it's got a lot going for it. Um, one thing I did want to get into or delve into is and you mentioned it briefly is the 70, 72 sold program. Um, what is yeah. that? I mean, you're, you're right. Like it's marketed everywhere. You talk about brand impressions, um, you know, TV news, uh, billboards, signs everywhere. It's unique. Um, Tell, tell me so, so that's 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 a mouthful, but um, <laughs> so in like in, a, in a nutshell, a lot of people think it's like, oh, we're going to sell your house in seventy-two hours. That's not what we do. There yeah. is a seventy-two hour period that we use, and we leverage that basically, like instead of letting people just come and go through your house, which is really inconvenient for the seller. We'll set up a Saturday, for example, sometimes we'll do it, you know, evening or whatever, but usually it's a 90 minute to two hour period. We get all the buyers through at that time. Showings only that period. Yeah. We schedule people through. Um, so everybody's seeing everybody and it's just sales psychology 101. It creates fear of loss, kind of creates scarcity. Um, you know, there's all these different factors um, and then basically like Sunday will, will be the day we, whoever puts in offers, we'll negotiate back and forth to work them up. Monday we'll present offers. So that's actually the 72 hour period right now. What we, what we used to do, it was like, basically we would do that, um, always pre-market, you know, um, reach out to kind of our VIP agents that we know in the area, you know, just market the pants off the house, but also pick up the phone and call people and actually sell the house, point out, yeah. you know, things that make it unique or one of a kind or whatever, be there for that showing period to tell the buyers while they're there about it and share the story about the seller, because statistically if buyers know the seller or know about them. They're more likely to pay more money. And there's, there's basically all these specifics that besides that 72 hour period that we are taught to sell the pants off the house to get people top dollar um, using sales psychology, which a lot of agents don't. They throw it up on the MLS and it's really hope, hope marketing, as Greg calls it. So <laughs> and we're a disruptor. So a lot of people are going to hate and talk trash and, um, you know that is what it is. But at the end of the day, the program does, I feel, offer the best result for the seller. Because even in this market right now, obviously, we're not getting, you know, 20 to 100 groups through a house and, you know, driving them against each other and all that sort of thing. Um, but we still hold back and try and get multiple people at the same time. And really what we try and do now um, because the market has shifted is we want to do competition based pricing because most agents are going to go off closed comps, but the market's gone down over the last two months. So if you right. use those, you're, you're, you're telling somebody to price high and then they're going to, you're going to do all these price reductions, lots of days on market, like most of the listings, and you're going to be chasing it down. So the big thing right now it's pricing according to what the listings are showing you. So if you've got all these ones priced off comps that have, you know, 60, 120 days on market, multiple price reductions, what are those telling you? They've been rejected by buyers. Correct. And statistically, after seven days, you start going from 100% uh, sold percentage, it starts dropping. And then even buyer delay so if a buyer waits and then comes back, they're they're less likely to offer you the full price. So there's all these studies and all these things that we go over and we use because they're, they're statistics. We didn't make up the data. It's just 
you know, and it's a lot of stuff that I didn't know before I came over to this brokerage and started learning the program. It was, uh, it was like drinking from a fire hose at first. It was like, holy crap, this is so much because every, everything is very specific and just, you know, there's a formula for everything. Seven step formula for the showings. Um, you know, we have a, a BCW formula, broken cosmetic worn that we use with sellers where we talk about, you know, if it's broken, fix it. If it's cosmetic and a buyer asks for something, you know, depending on what it is, we could talk about that. But most of the time, it's just cosmetic. You don't need to do anything. If it's right. worn, how worn is it? You know what I mean? If it's worn, maybe that's it's within its expected, you know, range. If it's really worn, we may have to have a conversation with. So that's like just one example of these things we use to have conversations with sellers. Um, you know, there's a methodology when we're dealing with buyers and buyers agents. It's all to <laughs> just act really sell the house. Excuse me. Um, it's a lot more work, but you get a better result. Yeah. Now, granted, there are just like any brokerage, you know, we we have some bad actors, and sure. that's any brokerage. Um, unfortunately, like now that I'm over there, I operate out of integrity and, and I actually follow, uh, what's taught. Um, some people are kind of doing their own, I would say kind of bastardized version of it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you're, you're getting some agents that are, that think that everybody over here is like those few people, which is not the case. So, um, and I even get sometimes <laughs> some agent friends at other brokerages calling to vent to me about another agent there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a great program. Um, it works. And even just, you know, during the craziness, any normal agent could throw something up. And if they took pro photos and wrote a good uh, description and all that stuff, they'd get multiple offers and get over asked. But even during that time from 2020 to about May, 2022, our brokerage, the 450 agents we have, we're getting um, on average 12% above the MLS average. Wow. So wow. we were pushing it more than the average agent could. Um, right. So, you know, that's one of the points I kind of bring up if I'm in a listing appointment where it's like, do you want one of these people that just kind of threw it up and still got the money over? And it's like, yeah. Or do you want the person that was getting 12% over the MLS average and has all these steps and formulas to sell your house and it's methodical and it uses sales psychology and it does all these things versus like, I'm going to throw it up in MLS and people get to randomly schedule and come in and out of your house. So you got to like, pick up and leave or grab your pet and go for a walk in the heat or whatever. No, sure. we're, we're going to make it as convenient for you and try and get you the most money possible. So yeah, that's the cool thing about it. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and it, it, it's um, they partnered with Keller Williams. So yeah. outside of Arizona um, Keller Williams agents are able to, um, sign up for the program and coaching and get certified. Oh, wow. So we're going national and, and they're going to see the program all over the country. So it's, wow. it's, it's going big soon. That's, that's impressive. I mean, thank yeah. you for taking the time to, you know, I've seen a hundred commercials on it and, and I never yeah. knew, you know, you think 72 sold is exactly what it looks like on the, on the, um, on the surface. But in reality, it sounds like you have a process and a plan and then you have agents out there executing that process and plan that the steps have been laid out for you. And the, the results are then simply inevitable. Um, you know, when you, when you were going through it, my, my question was going to be, what does it look like in the current market? But it, to me, it sounds like it doesn't specifically matter i mean the mega open house of the 72 sold that you were that you were starting with sure that's diminished but if you have the process and plan behind it then you have the ability to to 
push everybody to this to the finish line, the success line. So what we're doing now is like with a lot of the pre-marketing phase, we're leveraging uh-huh. that to try and get people to um, maybe want to see it early. And then we do what we call an opportunity showing. And okay. if somebody feels like they're the, they've got the first crack at it and nobody else has seen it, they're more likely to pay top dollar to get that opportunity to beat out, you know, all these people that are going to come to the launch. Cause they don't know how many people are going to show up. They just know we're doing that showing period. Could be multiple right. people, could be one person, but we leverage that to get it sold actually prior to the launch. Then if we get to the launch and the activity isn't where we want it prior to going active, that's when we're going to go over the competition, where everything's at, where the activity is. And we would want to do a price reduction and then push off the launch to the next week. Because rather than tracking all that while it's active and tracking more days on market and doing all these price reductions, you might as well test the market ahead of time, see if you're priced right, then adjust it. And Mm -hmm. a a good example of that is something we did when the market was hot. Uh, We called it range pricing. A lot of agents would talk trash and be like, oh, they underprice it to cause a frenzy and this, that, and the other. Um, But what we would do is during like the coming soon status, we would start low purposefully because a lot of buyers during that time limited their search lower. So they had room to go up and pay the over ask and all that stuff. Right. Interesting. So what we would do is we would start low during the coming soon, creep it up to where it needed to be before we go active which during that time we would price homes at 90, 98 to 101% of appraisable value. So we weren't underpricing. (laughs) Um, And because that, again, we go off data and studies. That was where they found was the ideal spot to price things in order to get the best overage and all that stuff on top of obviously how we did things and everything. So Now we've shifted how we do things, but we still have that 72 hour period. We're just trying to leverage that in the pre-market to get somebody to jump and like, yeah, I want it. I'll pay that. So instead of getting thousands more than, you know, the agents getting thousands more now, it's just like, Hey, we just want to get you top market value now and get it sold rather than overprice it and have it incrementally go down and chase slow dying death chase things down and to where you're you're netting less money ultimately so it's like we don't we're not in the business of collecting listings we want to get your house sold and get you your money and you move on to your next chapter what do you think the um so you you create that frenzy um you know people are maybe they're throwing concessions out at that time but they're definitely throwing money at the house um and then they have an inspection um you know what what was your did you have a higher than average fallout rate from, from inspections? Because people got, you know, maybe they got in there, got caught in with all the other people. Um, they got the house. They were really excited to get the house. And then they looked in, they're like, Ooh, this isn't the house that I expected. Not really. Um, okay. when things were crazy and people were yeah. paying over, you know, I, as a listing agent would remind the buyer's agent, like, Hey, keep it reasonable because I got all these other people I can reach out to that'll step in right behind you. Got it. And, and more so than not, we always worked out, you know, the Binzer stuff and, you know, it, it, it was usually kept very reasonable. Whereas fast forward to now, now that there are more choices and buyers are being pickier and they know they're the only offer in, you know, they're trying to beat up sellers pretty good on the Benzers and sure. ask for the sun and the moon. So you got to get creative with that sort of stuff. And if you're going to try and price a house um, at a really, really premium price, meaning based off past close comps versus competition based you need to offer something to make people want to pay that. So like, you know, let's just say like close comps point to 500,000 on a house, but the now market says, Hey, this house is probably like 450. What are you going to do 
Because an appraiser, if they look at the closed comps, they still might appraise it for that. Right. Most people aren't going to want to pay that because they're looking at what's going on now. And buyers are savvy. Sellers are kind of behind the curve with how things shifted. So if you're going to do that, then it's like, okay, well, instead of selling it at 450, if you want the 500 and I can see the closed comps support that, maybe offer 25 towards buying down their rate. And ultimately it's like you sold it at 475. Would that work for you, Mr. Seller? You know, so there's things you can do if somebody wants to overprice it to offset that, but ultimately they still got to give up some of that money to make it good for like the now market. Otherwise they're going to be trying to catch a falling knife. And honestly, I wouldn't take that kind of listing uh, because you're putting your name on it. You're spending your time and money. And ultimately, if you take an overpriced listing, you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting the seller up for disappointment by not being real with them but of how things are right now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. Like you you can't have a house sit on the market right now. You can't you can't take that six six months to to make sure that it sells because the price that it is today is maybe not going to be the price that it is tomorrow or maybe it's not moving that fast but it's starting to move you know and for a long time we were in an environment where where a buyer had maybe 2000 options and now we have 16000 options um and we have some decreasing prices and more incentives on new builds and so it's an interesting shifting market right now um what are some things you're doing to protect your sellers from getting beat up are they um I know a lot has to do with price, but but sometimes price plus inspection is equals the final price, right? Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do in that sense, right? You know what I mean? Because um, if if the buyer is the only buyer, and you're risking putting it back on the market and adding days on market, right. it's more about just working out working out with the buyer's agent to find the win win because you're not. You're not in a market where you can just dig your heels in and, and tell them to kick rocks and hope right. they'll just say, okay, well, I'll still take the house. Like it's, that's risky. Um, you know, the big, the big difference right now is the mindset. And Greg was somebody that said this and I thought it was really, really brilliant. He had said, you know, there's a difference between a normalized market when things are going up slow and steady and there's confidence and then there's this market which basically we've come back to a normalized market when you look at supply and demand yeah but the big difference is you've got a lot of fear and fear of the unknown and is is the economy going to get worse and you know am i am 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 i going to overpay right now is the market going to go down further like there's all these things so you're dealing with people that are in a scarcity fear mindset when they're buying. So they'll be a lot quicker to just say, I'm washing my hands of it later. Right. Out. Yep. So unfortunately, um, you know, we do what we can to protect the seller on that and try and create, you know, some creative solutions you know, maybe it's like, hey, we'll buy you a home warranty and you can take care of X, Y, and Z on that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, hey, you know what? We understand what you're talking about, but the amount you're asking is basically for a brand new one. But reasonable expectation is you're getting a house with, you know, half its life left or whatever on said thing. So we'll give you a credit of like half of that. Sure. You know, whatever but it's one of those things i just go back and forth verbally with the other agent first before we put anything on paper so we're not just like going back and forth plus with the binzer everything is one and done you know the the buyer puts in their request and then once the seller responds on paper the buyer can either accept it or cancel that's it yeah so there really is unlike a, like a counter offer situation when somebody puts in an offer on a property where you could do limitless counters, which that's something I do verbal first too. So to save all that effort with the, the Binzer process, 
it's one and done once you, the seller, respond. So it's really important to make sure you've got that ironed out first before you put it in writing. Otherwise, you can shoot yourself in the foot by just sending whatever response to the buyer's agent without working it out first. So. I mean, to me, it almost sounds, um, yeah, sure, it's more work, but it's not like you weren't working before when you were entertaining 50, 60 offers. Um, but it almost sounds like more exciting work. You know, like you're flexing your creative muscle and thinking of different strategies to to get both parties to agree um, to get to the finish line. Because, you know, people are involved in a house because they want to be in a house and people are selling a house because they need or want to sell the house. So um, the end result is always just to get somebody to get the deal to, to happen and the right deal to happen, too. Um, right. Is that, yeah, I, is that, is it like an exciting time to be a, a, a real estate agent? Yeah. I mean, cause it, it shifted so quickly and so unprecedented, yeah. unprecedentedly. I don't even know if that's a word. It was unprecedented how quickly it shifted. Let, let me say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now it's just, there's, there's had to, there, there had to be this quick shift with the market. So that's why, you know, like even at my brokerage, we're doing things different. And now we're not going off 98 to 101% of appraisable value. We're going off competition. Now, if there isn't much competition in your neighborhood or within a mile, like an appraiser would look at, then we're, then we're referring back to comps and trying to figure out where do we strategically price this to get it sold. So it's not like everything else and, you know, collecting days on market and getting price reductions and all the things. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Greg's a super smart guy. So he's come up with all kinds of stuff, but, you know, just on different deals, it is, you know, thinking on your feet, trying to get creative or work out things with other agents, you know, rate buy downs have become really big with sellers and even with builders um, to try and, you know, drum up more buyers for a property. Um, so there's, there's just all kinds of things that are, um, you know, coming out of this that you probably wouldn't have thought about before. And so it's as the market changes each time to some different thing, it's like if it ever gets back to that, now it's like, okay, I know what I got this. I know what got to it, do yeah. here. You know what I mean? So I think the the agents that are out there and doing a decent halfway decent amount of business that are really tracking the market and, and seeing and feeling what's going on are going to be in a good spot in the future. Um, you know, whether it's yeah, uh, sure. 2020 to, you know, around April, May of this year, crazy stuff or uh -huh. what's going on now. So, and I think, you know, we're, we're at our brokerage, we're already talking about uh, lease purchases and seller carries and all that stuff because some people have these low rate mortgages on their houses that, Super low. you know, maybe a buyer might want to, you know, take over that or, you know what I mean? There's, there's all these things we can, we can do that are probably going to come into play here in the near future if this market stays this way. Interesting. Um, but, but I think, you know, at some point the rates are going to level out and then things should kind of level out and normalize and, the data is looking like that's starting to happen, but I'm not feeling it yet out there in the market as far as people and deals and stuff like that. So it, it I'm keeping my eye on it, but it's nobody can predict the future. I, I'm just kind of rolling with the punches sure. as it will um, as the market changes. So you've um, you've mentioned just to switch gears to touch, but you've mentioned um, uh, a couple of names a couple of times um, and, and they would seemingly be mentors for you in developing your business to where it's at today. Do you have any other, or who have your mentors been? And then uh, do you have any that you haven't mentioned, I guess is what I should say. So uh, Brian North, of course, yeah. he was a big one for me. Um, you know, founder, owner, CEO of North and Co. Yeah. Um, kind of took me under his wing. He was there for me a lot when I was having some rough times and helped me kind of think differently and tweak what I was doing to 
you know, grow my business. His big thing was the open house thing and, you know, run hard with buyers because those will be your future listings, which right. when 2020 hit that, that made life kind of difficult because I was really buyer heavy and, you know, you're, you're putting out multiple offers for buyers, even when you have good relationships out there and, you know, uh, know what you're doing. Not every buyer are you going to get the first house in that crazy market. So for sure. A lot more work, a lot more running around, a lot more showings, a lot more paperwork. Um, and then while I was out in North and Coro, I mentioned I was on a team for a little while. I was on Claire Ackerman's team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot there as far as, you know, working leads and working the phones more and things like that. Because it's to- two different things from open houses where you're meeting people and you're kind of creating rapport and friendship with them and all like phone stuff is totally different. Internet leads is totally different. So, um, and then systems, I already had a CRM at the time, but she had a CRM and she had an ISA company that would like filter out the leads and then, you know, basically, uh, figure out, you know, who the, who the valuable or, uh, probable leads were stuff like that. So, I learned a lot about systems and stuff there too. Um, other than that, I mean, being at 72 sold, I'm learning a lot every time uh, Greg Haig and Teresa Haig speak. Some of the really high producing agents that have teams there um, bring a lot of knowledge to the, to the table. Um, David Newman is one of them. Oh, uh, the Rutgers, David and his son, Nolan. Um, Christy and Nick DeWitts, super high producers. Um, we have like, what is it? Five team calls a week. So Monday and Friday, we have a morning and an afternoon one. Wednesday, we have a morning one. Um, part of that is, is because of the program was already partially national. We were in 32 States and, you know, had some people that were like franchisees, if you will. Um, some are national calls, some are Hague partners only because in Arizona, if you want to be 72 sold certified or an affiliate, if you will, you have to be a Hague agent. Um, so we have national calls and we have local calls too. So we're going over national housing data and Arizona housing data. So makes sense. What, um, just for clarification, what is an ISA? Inside sales agent. So that would be like somebody you hire to take inbound leads, you know, handle the phone call, kind of pre-qualify them, ask them qualifying questions, all that stuff, kind of see if they're, they're going to be a good lead or not. Um, Or you can hire ISAs to do cold calls for you, you know, to try and find listings, people that want to sell their house, stuff like that. Um, Various things you can, you can um, hire them for, but yeah. Thank you. Um, it sounds like you've had some um, monumental uh, mentors as you're as you're growing. It sounds like you're still kind of acquiring and, and learning from new ones too. Um, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's the oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the big thing now for me is trying to shift more to a listing agent than uh-huh. running running around with tons of buyers. Um, so that way I could focus on that and then hire a buyer's agent and uh-huh. still do the relocation things and all that, but like have more support to where I can hand my buyer's business over to somebody else. Um, so that's part of the reason I went to Hague. There's 450 agents. I think they've got 13% of the inventory in the, in the Valley, um, the highest listings per agent. Um, so what better place to learn than the people that have the most listings and, and are doing it. So, yeah, that's incredible. Well, it sounds like you have a vision for your um, business too, as it, as it's starting to evolve. Do you have, do you have a, a vision map and then, you know, um, a company structure built out or is this um, kind of an evolving thing that you're, you're starting to think about? Um, I, I don't have it like plotted out, but from, the way things are going and what I want, the next step would be adding a buyer's agent so I can focus more on the listing side. 
Yeah, for sure. Right now I have an assistant and I have a transaction coordinator that are my support people. Um, and that, that is by far, it's worth the money. It's, you know, a, what's your time worth kind of thing. Um, as you grow, it's really good to leverage others and pay them. And that way you can focus on the important things that you're good at and leverage others for things that maybe you're not, you're not necessarily needed as much for. Sure. Have you heard of, um, the e-myth, the e-myth revisited? No. What is that? Um, it's in my opinion, it's probably one of, and, and I've read it a couple of times, but I think it's probably one of the most important business books, um, that I've read. Um, and then I, I've given it away, um, probably 20 times. Um, but the basis of it is, is that, um, I don't remember the main character's name, but a woman owns a, a woman's good at baking pies. And so her friends push her into a pie making business. And so the shift of taking on the high pie making business um, is a much more substantial uh, task for her. Um, and when she started just making pies, she was making pies for friends, selling it, so on and so forth. And then she gets into the business and now she has, you know, cleaning and accounting and, um, and sales and ordering and so on and so forth. All the things that it takes to run a pie making business. Um, and so she meets with a mentor and they basically um, design, he encourages her to design the structure of the business as if it's, you know, got 30 employees in it and they put her name in it in each one of the roles, develops a role map for each one. And then as she goes through and makes herself irrelevant, she hires into that person and continues. It's, it's a lot. Um, it's a similar book to, you mentioned it, um, Gary Keller's, um, the one thing, uh, no, which the million dollar real estate agent, sorry, the MRE, um, MRE, um, and it's they they, they run in parallel, but, um, you should listen to that as you're developing your, your vision for that. And then you can create the roles and, and use the expectations for a buyer's agent. They perform within the qualities and levels of service that you want as you're running through there. Love it. What was that called again? I'm going to actually write that E what myth? The E myth revisited. You can get it on e Amazon myth. for, okay. you know, used on Amazon for, I don't know, 10, 10 to 15 bucks. Um, whenever I'm at half price books, um, I always look for, for two books. Um, that's the first one. And then the other one is how to win friends and influence people. Um, that's and, a classic and if, right there. If there's any of them in there, I grab all of them and buy them because those are Love the it. two that I always give out. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what do you like about home inspections? What do you like uh, as a buyer's agent, seller's agent about home inspections? I think for me, um, you know, early on it was learning about house systems and like actually learning yeah. about all these things. Um, now that I've gone through, you know, new builds and remodels and all the different things, I have a pretty good, you know, idea on that sort of stuff. You know, even with repair, it helped me learn kind of what's involved in repairs because it's like, okay, inspector finds this, we get the repairs done. And then I'm just constantly banking this stuff. So now it's like I go to a an inspection appointment or... Sadie goes to the wrap up for me. We go over the report. Now I have enough knowledge to where it's like, not only do I know what you guys are talking about, but it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this, that, and the other you can do for like around X dollars, no big deal. So it helps put the client at ease because I can provide solutions to hmm. um, now that I understand these things and I've seen some of the repairs past that. So yeah, I mean, and you guys are super thorough, but none of your guys um, present things in a way that cause buyers to panic. So I appreciate the heck out of that because thank you. Sometimes you'll get these engineering engineering type that <laughs> are so matter of fact that they're not trying to understand that you've got people that are emotional here trying to for sure buy, buy a major costly item <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's a high pressure point for sure um how do you 
So if you were talking to a new agent, I mean, now you've developed this knowledge and, you know, as, as your knowledge base is growing on that, how do you encourage a new agent to, to get that experience? Cause it, you know, first agent might take um, six months before they sell their own deal. They might take a year before they sell their, their first house and everybody starts for the most part as a buyer's agent, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, although I will say like, there's one guy at my brokerage who has a team and he hires um, these young go-getter guys and, and basically teaches them how to hammer the phones and cold call for listings. Huh? So you could, you could uh, start there as well. Sure. Um, it just depends. I think in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have waited um, two years to join a team. I would have done it right away to mm. learn the ropes and you get leads. So you're starting to make money, even though like the cut's smaller, you're making money right away and you're closing deals. And those eventually become your clients after they close. Cause most team leads, you're going to be able to keep those people and not give away a cut to the team leader after like X amount. Um, right. Some teams like 12 months, 18 months, 24 or whatever. But so you're building your closed book of business and you're making money right away, being on a team and getting leads and stuff. So um that's the good thing too and even at like at the brokerage i'm at um taking company leads and stuff like that yeah i give them a bigger cut but these are extra deals that i'm getting that i'm adding right. to all my closed clients that i'm marketing and getting referrals from as well so it's a win-win um so yeah that's kind of what i would probably say to a newer agent it's like join a team somebody's that's got leads and systems and can show you these things um for myself like i said i'd probably only bring on a buyer's agent because i have a decent amount of that business i can feed somebody and then i can focus on listings but yeah okay. um yeah so that's i guess the big thing that's awesome um it's been a, a wealth of information um, and I've had a good time getting to know you um, deeper and better um, through this conversation. Uh, we're approaching an hour and I want to be respectful of your time today. Um, I, I think uh, it's really fun to watch or to see how you developed and structured your business coming from um, the energy business. Um, and you took a huge leap of faith uh, coming to Arizona and, and that that um, it, it's bold and it creates tenacity and he walked in and he said um, hey Brian North what you got for me and he he said well here's here's the doors open let's roll with it and he became a mentor and you've, you've had a, a, a very interesting path through this business and um, it's cool to see your business emerging um, if someone wanted to get a hold of you um, where would they find you um, you could find me on Instagram at Laney Residential, laneyresidential.com, or you can even shoot me a text, 602-345-0670. Happy to be of help. Even if you're aspiring to be an agent, looking to get in the business, you've got somebody looking to buy, sell, invest in Arizona as well. Happy to help anybody. That's awesome. One thing we didn't talk about and I want to head in my notes to get to was your social media. Um, your stories are valuable. You, you get on there and you're consistent with them. Um, you talk about what happened through the day, what the, what you're seeing in the market, um, experiences that you're seeing in inspections, new builds, um, job sites, and so on and so forth. So it's definitely worth a follow and, and keep up the good work on that. I appreciate it. I got one, one last comment, something I didn't yep. say earlier. So I mentioned my mom being entitled and my aunt and uncle yep. being hard money lenders out here in the Valley. I didn't get one deal from any of them. They, huh? they were part of my poll to come out here and why it was good. Um, but I did not get handed anything. So where I'm at, I've, I've worked with the help of people like Brian and Claire and Greg and other friends, you know, sharing what's working for them and stuff like that. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's when you, one thing I notice is when you get into this business, um, one thing that happens is that the people that you expected to help you along the way 
don't necessarily participate in that. Um, and so it takes a while to earn their trust around that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, um, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, thanks for your time again. Um, and we'll see you shortly. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for listening to Just Another Real Estate Podcast. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and be sure to follow Dwell Inspect Arizona on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. To contact Dwell Inspect Arizona, call us at 480-867-4599. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, email our team at office at dwellinspectaz.com.